Good evening, everybody. So we got something special for you guys tonight. Uh, Final Four special. Yeah. It's, been, it's been a crazy tournament. It's been oh so much fun, um, both on the men's and the women's side of things, because, you know, we, we like to take care of both sides here at the Focus TV. So um, I know I've had some personal favorite moments already of this year's tournament. Uh, I'm sure a lot of folks had, depending on where you fall on the side of the Duke thing, uh, <laughs> on the men's side. But I know on the women's side, from a parody standpoint, it's been amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been wonderful. It's everything you could ever ask for. Obviously, you got some of your bigger, some of you, you know, your bigger horses still have made it to this point mm -hmm. in the race. But that being said, some other horses had to fall short. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, not one of the teams in the women's side of the Final Four uh, didn't earn their way there. Some were dominant in their march to that point. On the men's side, we got one of those things where it's, uh, I guess we could say it's been some parody on both sides, mm -hmm. or, or surprises, I guess, on the men's side, depending on who you're looking for. I know you brought something up that was very interesting on Twitter a couple of days ago with uh, this whole concept of defense that we forget yeah. nowadays. Uh, it's kind of played a role on the men's side. I mean, because you have all four teams, Texas Tech, you know, Michigan State, um, Auburn, and Virginia. Those are the four of the top defensive teams in, uh, in all the college basketball. And then, you know, everybody focusing, caught up in the world of the Warriors and the offense and the yeah. shooting and all that. And, I, and my thing is, you got to play both ends. And that's just reflective of where we are in sports. And as a society, people don't want to put their hard work in. Defense is hard work. And as you move on in later rounds, you're going to have to stop a good offensive team to advance. It's not gonna, you're not going to outscore these guys. And, and, I, and that's always been the name of the game since I picked up a ball. And Coach always said, yeah, you might be good. You can score 30, but what if somebody can score 35? You got to somehow find a way to keep them out of what you can do so you can win the game, which is the end-all, be-all. So that's what I'm saying. And I'm just laughing because all these – the four teams, they hang their hats on defense, especially get, like even Auburn. They're yeah. probably, scoring-wise, the least – you know, they give up the most points, but they're the best at turning you over, man. They swarm you, and that disrupts a lot of players. You know, that's, that's, that it disrupts guards. So – you know, Villanova, I mean, Virginia, you saw they got loose. You know, Ty Jerome and all that. I mean, they got loose a little bit. But, I'm, I'm you know, Kyle got me. I'm eager to see how they handle this, man, because it's, it's not for the week, man. And they got a lot of athletes across the board, depth. It's going to be fun. I'm going to enjoy it. Man, I can't wait either. The defense, it, it's, still, it's still something that matters on the women's side of the two. It's right. been, a, it, it's been fun, fun watching so many teams but really good bigs. This yeah. year, some match, big time matches between good centers on the women's side yep. and and matchups of two two bigs, or sometimes you know both teams got two good bigs against right. another team's good two bigs. Some somebody's duel has to win, which right. means somebody has to stop the other or limit them or make it tough on them in in some shape, fashion, or form. But we're gonna get started with the women's side of things tonight. But we're gonna do so after we come back from this very quick break. Welcome back to the Focus TV. Again, this is our final four special. All right, Cardell, on the women's side of things, we'll take a look at how each of these four teams got here. Uh, we got Oregon. They beat Portland State 78-40. Indiana 91-68. South Dakota State 63-53. And then Mississippi State, a lot of WNBA talent on the floor in that one. 88-84. Uh, UConn, they beat Towson. Then Buffalo, which was a very good game. Yeah. 
Um, primarily because Buffalo did the things some teams aren't willing to do against good teams, which is decide to fight back. <laughs> no, look. Yeah, that's just, true. Don't be intimidated. Just hoop. Just, just to be honest, I mean, we, we see it on both the men's and women's side sometimes. Yeah. They get to that breaking point, and one of two things are going to happen. It's either going to get out of hand, or there's some type of pride or something inside. Where, look, look, if we going out, at least I'm going out Empty in the tank. Exactly. You might as well hoop. So, taking care of Buffalo, a good matchup with UCLA, then Louisville. Um, they beat Louisville 873. Baylor, they beat Avaline Christian 9538. Beat California 10263. Then South Carolina 9368. And then Iowa 8553 against, you know, uh, Megan Gustafson, mm. who's she scored. She broke a record last night. I believe she became the fourth or fifth player on the women's side to score a thousand points in a season. Mm-hmm. So even in that loss, just to, it, you know, obviously the loss isn't how you want to end the year, but she had a monster year this year um, as she gets ready to go on to the next level. Notre Dame, the reigning champs, took care of business against Bethune Cookman, then beat Michigan State 91-63, and then they beat Texas A&M 87-80. And then Stanford, 84-68 in the Stanford game. Stanford had a really good game plan, seeing to come out in the first half, eliminating Notre Dame. But um, what you were talking about, it's hard to keep good offensive teams down for four quarters. So at some point, you know, that defense lets up a little bit. And what we saw with Notre Dame, they found a way to get stops. They got in transition, and things got got a little bit out of hand. But as we look in, um, we're going to look at these matchups. Then make our predictions afterwards. Mm-hmm. Looking at Baylor taking on Oregon, talk about a couple things that jump out at you in this matchup. I mean, we all know it starts. It's, it's basically, you know, Oregon's guards, their perimeter type. Can they do that against Baylor's bigs? That's it's a chess match at this stage, and you know, it starts with Sabrina Ionescu. Hopefully, I said it right. I don't want to butcher her name. Who's you know projected number one pick now in WNBA draft, and you see why. You know she does literally everything. Like, uh, and it's not just scoring, rebounding, assists, leadership. You know, defense and a solid defense and whatnot. She's deadly efficient, shooting forty-five percent from the field, forty-three percent from three, eighty-eight percent from the free throw line. Um, she's just a to- the total package, and her reads is what makes them deadly at point guard. It, you know, that's why you need – it's similar to having a great quarterback. You know, they're going to find where you're weak at and keep hitting that area until it destroys you. Um, and that's that's going to be the chess match. But can she do that against the bigs and stuff? And, I, you know, getting, got, getting you know, like Baylor's Kalani Brown, 6'7", can she get there you know, handle her in the pick and roll, get her in foul trouble? If they attack her, you know, will she intimidate them? They miss easy shots or whatnot. Um, so that's why I think, you know, Oregon for Sadu Sabali, she's going to be huge for him. You know, she averaged 16.6 points, 6.3 rebounds throughout the season, but 50% from the field, 41% from three, and 73 from the free throw line. She's going to have to have a huge game to counteract Baylor's size because it's not just Brown. you got to look at, you know, Lauren Cox as well, who averaged 12.9 points, 8.3 rebounds, two and a half block, led the team. So it's those two that she's going to have to have a good game to keep one of them at bay 
So, you know, pick and roll reads and stuff like that. They can, you know, pick apart the other big and also make their defense work, make them rotate and get mismatches. That's the way Oregon can win. And obviously, Baylor pound them inside, you know what I'm saying, and draw the double. Guards got knocked down shots. You know, that's how I see it playing out. All right, talking about for Baylor, um, one of the players that stands out to me in terms of like the X Factor, yeah. Dee Dee Richards. Right. All energy, she's everywhere. She does, you know, she impacts the game in so many different ways all across the stat sheet. And then defensively, she just has so much energy for that group. She's able to guard one through three, a little bit of four at times. But if you, <laughs> it's hard to run your offense right. with, she's just a natural disruptor. So that's something Baylor has on her side. You brought up Lauren Cox. Love that, she, love that you brought her up because she's one of those plays where it's easy to overlook what she brings to the table. She does a little bit of everything that she can. At times, they can get the ball to her in high post, and she facilitates the offense right. with the high-low game with Kalani Brown, as you said. Also, setting good screens. She reads the game well. And, you know, we all know you, you have bids to read the game well. It always makes life easier for a team, especially when – one of the things that makes Baylor interesting is they don't exactly have a true quote-unquote point guard. Um, the young lady they have playing point guard, she's a converted two. But, uh, you know, that, that's what makes Lauren Cox's role in this in their offense so important. And then the tandem that she forms down low with Kalani uh, is crazy defensively. Right. <laughs> it's hard to uh, it's hard, it's hard to go to work it down there. It is, and that's where the chess match has to begin because Oregon, as efficient as they are, they're going to have to play the most efficient game they've played this season to beat Baylor because Baylor, the way their defense is set up, the way they rebound the ball, I mean, they average 40, they have 50 rebounds a game. Um, their rebounding margin is almost at 20, 17.7. So they dominate the boys. They don't give you second chances if you make mistakes. You see what I'm saying? Uh, and, and then they, they really only – turn the ball over with 12.9 times. Like, they take care of the ball as well. So, and then the block margin. Baylor averaged 7.2 blocks per game as a team. Oregon only averaged 2.7. So, that's why I'm saying Sabali's going to have to step up because Baylor can throw it inside and both of them can eat all day because it's really no – it's no intimidation. There's no defensive presence inside to stop those two bigs for, for Baylor, Brown and Cox. So, hey, man, but – We've seen that happen. You know, I remember when they had Griner. Yeah. And she was basically both of them combined. You know what I'm saying? But if you can shoot outside, draw her out the paint, yeah. that's how you kind of rock that. But, you know, that that's what makes this game great, man. It's the ultimate chess match. I keep yeah. saying that. And the other big one to bring up is Ruby Hebert. Yeah. Uh, you know, she found her way since returning from injury. Uh, in the tournament so far, uh, Hebert's averaging 17 and 10. Mm-hmm. So I love that you brought up Sabali uh, because – it's really, like you said, it's a big chess match, and whichever, whichever team's duo in the paint win, win this game, or for Oregon, if you're able to at least play them even, that goes a long way because I honestly feel they have the edge on the perimeter. Hey. So for Oregon, I, you know what I'm saying? The, the, what? the thing is, I think the, the main key, I, the more I keep thinking about it, is rebounding yeah. for Oregon and Baylor because – one thing about Baylor's base, especially Kalani, you could tire them out if you run. But you got to get the board to run. That's the problem. If you can't keep them off the exactly. glass, exactly. So, they get to get back down. So, they, they yeah. so basically it's going to come down to, yo, if you play, if, it, if it's a half-court game, Baylor got the edge. If it's a fast-paced game, Oregon got the edge because you don't have to deal with those bigs. Yeah. It's about decision-making. No one's better in the country than, you know, Aaron Nesco at that. So she's going to pick them apart, go to work. 
And that's why I think it's going to be the deciding factor. Yeah, and um, it might be one of those things for uh, Sabrina, you know, owner of 18 career triple doubles. Mm-hmm. You might need, uh, this might be a double-digit rebound effort night um, in terms of what her team needs from her. Because you're going to have to help your bigs out on the glass. You have to, Baylor also does a good job helping their bigs out on the glass. They're their perimeter players, they crash as well. As you said, with that 17, with a margin like that, it's not just the bigs hitting the glass. They're making sure there's hardly any second-chance opportunities. All right, so... I'm going to ask you what your prediction now. So, or do you want to wait till we break down the other group? We're going to wait till we break okay. down the other group. Okay. No pressure. Right. So, the other group, you know, we got a rematch to uh, familiar foes, you know, uh, rivals, yeah. groups that don't like each other much. Yeah. Usually what happens, you know, at least to me, old school meaning of a robbery is only a robbery both teams win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like significantly, like win important things. Not, not pointless things, but when you're, when you're beating each other for a chance to win a title, yeah, that, that's what considered an actual rivalry. And this is exactly what we have here between uh, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish and the Connecticut Huskies. Um, Jackie Young, first person that comes to mind for me. Yeah. I know Enrique gets so much credit and love for Notre Dame, as she should. Uh, but Jackie Young is one of those players we talk about all the time that can do a little bit of everything and kind of flies under the radar for being able to do so many things. But I, I believe she's literally their most, most important player. Uh, when she doesn't play well, they struggle, no matter if somebody else does play well. But um, they need Jackie Young for everything that she does uh, for this team in the tournament. 17 points, 8 rebounds. Uh, we talk about Enrique. We know she's a bucket. One of the things I love that she improved on this year is she's, she's done a better job of getting her teammates involved, um, especially in the pick and roll a little bit. Love how right. she's finding her bigs a little bit better this year. So shout out to improvement. And then a person that just doesn't get enough credit, I guess, for maybe the, for just optics of how it looks when she does things, but is very effective, Jessica Shepard. Um, in the tournament, 19 points, 12 and a half rebounds. I mean, she, 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 she doesn't, if she doesn't do what she does, it's hard for this team to get out and run how they like to. Um, she has the ability to take opposing bigs out of the paint at times with her ability to stretch the floor a little bit. Um, and she's just crafty. And, and, you know, some, we've talked in the past sometimes, the most difficult players to guard are the crafty ones, not the overly athletic, just the people who know their game, understand how to get to their spot, and do exactly what they need to do. Sometimes, it, it, you know, it's a, it's a little bit frustrating. But on the UConn side of things, what, what, what do you like? Um, I, I love when Afisa Collier is doing. Um, I know you brought up Jackie Young, but that's, that's where they're going to butt heads. And, yep. You know, I got to give Collier the edge. She's you know, obviously been more consistent. And what I, and she's become UConn's de facto leader. I know everybody's trying to make Katie lose Samuels on that. But Nafisa Collier played state. She's the leader. They go as she go. So that's going to be an interesting battle right there between those two. You know, they're going to have to match up at some point in time. Um, you know, also, I keep bringing up Katie Lou Samuelson. She has to be more – when she's consistent, UConn's damn near unbeatable. That's the problem. She's not always consistent, especially in big games, and especially against teams that are physical and punch her in the mouth, so to speak. And Notre Dame will do that, you know what I'm saying? So she, because of her versatility, she's inside out, and she's going to have to deal with their guards. You know, she's going to get out there and guard, but she's also going to have to go back and dip, bang with the bigs. And, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, what she produce like she's capable of producing. Um, she's by far the most efficient shooter on the team, uh, Outside, you know, Megan Walker, I'm going to get to her in a little bit. You know, she's averaged 18.5 points, 45% from the field, 37 from three, 87 from the line, 
and six and a half um, rebounds against Notre Dame. Those rebounds will have to go up because right now, you know, Notre Dame has the edge. They average forty three point nine rebounds a game as a team. Uh, and also, no sleep on you know Megan Walker, the sophomore. Quietly, she's averaged at twelve point six six point seven rebounds, but she's almost. I mean, from deep, she's 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 the most efficient player on the team. Forty percent from three, uh, forty five percent from the field, seventy four percent from the free throw line. I actually think she does. She need more shots. You know, what I'm saying we need more plays drawn up for. But you know, Gino the the guru, so you know he, he don't need me to tell him. He, he gets it done. You know, what I'm saying. But I'm just saying, just looking at the facts. And, you know, it might be time for that. Then you got to look at Dangerfield, the way she run point, you know, almost averaging 14 points. And, you know, Kristen Williams, 11 and a half. Um, they hang their hat on because they don't have the depth. UConn, they hang their hat on their defense. That's how they've gotten this far. That's what I'm saying. You're not going to be able to outscore everybody. They're not, they know they can't outscore Notre Dame. It's just too many waves of bodies. But they only, average, they only give up 55 points a game. Uh, Notre Dame averages 89. So some will have to give. Now, if they get into an offense about a Notre Dame, wear them out. But UConn slow down, you know, make them play their game. They're wearing them, especially with a guy like Geno coaching and you know picking, you know picking the spots and just dissecting them and stuff. It, it, it they he'll take them out. And also on Notre Dame, she don't she don't get enough credit as well. Marina Mabry, the sniper. Yes. If she gets hot, it's over. <laughs> Seriously, it's over. Nothing UConn can do about it. Uh, she shoots 39 percent from three, 45 percent from the field, uh, but she averages 14.4 points and 4.4 rebounds and assists. She's an all-around threat, so they got to keep an eye on her as well. She get loose, she's capable of exploding and winning that game by herself. Yeah, um, I mean, my biggest thing is we've seen a couple teams at least when choosing how to defend UConn right. is the primary objective is to slow down Katie Lou on these, um, right. just because. One of them with some help sometimes is enough, but you can't have both of them operating. Yeah. Um, then you're in trouble, like you said. So the last uh, last game they played, the Louisville Louisville's kind of took the approach of we're gonna provide help to Fees and Katie Lou and kind of leave Kristen and Megan out there a little bit mm-hmm. to sag off them a little bit. And both Megan and Kristen got off the hot starts, and Louisville paid the price for it. Yeah. Uh, so. As you said, I'm interested to see how this will be another chess match. What Notre Dame tries to take away from UConn? Because the thing is, if Kristen Williams is the biggest X factor to me, she can put that thing on the floor as a bigger guard. It kind of messes things up a little bit because UConn hasn't had that 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 type of guard that size at guard in a bit in terms of being able to attack (laughs) off the bounce. I mean, yeah, you have Katie Lou, but she's not breaking down a defense off the bounce, mm-hmm. where Chris has been able to get to the rim, do a lot of things where she just causes issues. So I'm interested to see how Muffet goes about game planning. Right. And then I want to see what you know tries to do in response to what do you take away from Notre Dame? Because like you said, you average almost 90 points a game. That means everybody's a threat. You can't just yeah. key on, you know what I'm saying? Like You can't just be like, hey, you know, we're going to shade Enrique. Then you said, Marvin, they got a sniper. You got Shepard kid from outside. Jackie can attack off the bounce. Turner. Turner in the post. The There's so many weapons. So that's what I'm looking forward to in both of these matchups. What do you take away? If you're, if you're a coach, what do you take away? And that's why I'm saying Katie Lou got to come to play, man. And she going she gonna to have to play the game of her life because that's with everything that's at stake, they're going to be ready. 
You know what I'm saying? They trying to repeat. And yep. she can't have one of her 14.5 rebound games. It's not going to work today. <laughs> Unless everybody else had career games, that's the only way that it's going to overcome that. She got to come to play for them. Because she's, she's 6'4", but can be a guard, 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 guard inside. She's a mismatch when she just says, the hell with it, I'm, I'm going to be the best player on the floor. She's the key. You definitely right. So, okay, prediction time, buddy. Uh, we're going to, you want to start with Nova Davis, you got or I go, uh, Baylor, Oregon? I got Baylor knocking out Oregon. I just don't think, okay. think the size is going to be too much. Uh, and then uh, um, I'm going to have to roll with Notre Dame. Like I said, okay. Katie Lou, I can't, I can't even trust it. Uh, I, it's, I just feel like it's more consistency on Notre Dame side. So Notre Dame and Baylor in the national championship. Okay, and this is gonna be and this I'm not just being a contrarian to do so, but I had Oregon and UConn anyways mm-hmm. uh, facing, and my reasoning just being I think I think Hebert, um, and I know Sabali, but I think Hebert and Enesu are gonna lead them past Baylor. I just think they can the two of them will give us monster performances. Mm-hmm. Um, and just for me, Ineskin, she looks like she's she's not trying to end this anytime soon, end this run. Um, not to say that it won't be ended. And then for UConn, um, they had success this year with Notre Dame. Uh, it was UConn and another team held Notre Dame to their worst shooting percentage mm-hmm. of the season in the past. Obviously, you know that game was up in stores. But even with the KD Lou um, being a little bit uh, sometimey, mm-hmm. I think the two, uh, I think the sophomore and the freshman are going to make up for whatever happens with Katie Lou. I think Monster Game from Fees, and I think Megan and Chris are going to grow up as they've been doing during this run. But that's what I have. And then do we have to do a prediction for the, for the following thing, too? For the, for the national championship game, too? Yeah, I mean, oh, okay. we can go so, ahead. Uh, I got to go with what I wrote down already out of Oregon beating UConn at the national championship game. Uh, Notre Dame, Baylor, make it. Uh, Notre Dame, too much experience. Yeah. That's not a bad way to end it. I know Enrique's happy to hear that. Yeah, man. <laughs> Baylor size don't mean nothing. They, know they got size of their own, yeah, so yeah. they don't have no advantage. And then you got to deal with the guards and experience, so good luck with that. That experience is so crazy because, and that's, I guess that's the fun part about how it's set up, is you got the two teams who haven't really been here, then you got the two teams who live there. And like I said, Notre Dame, when all else fails, they got somebody to give them the ball, move out of the way, yeah. and they can make something happen. I don't know if Baylor has that. So. Okay, look, you're right. And they got somebody who's uh, giving the ball, get out the way, who's done it already. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Goes a long way. We're going to take a quick break, then we're going to get into the men's side of this. Again, you're watching the Focus TV, and tonight, you know, our final four special. See you guys on the other side of the break. Welcome back to the Focus TV. Again, you are watching our final four special. Uh, let's, in terms of how they got here, we'll start with Michigan State. They beat Bradley 76-65, beat Minnesota 70-50, beat an LSU team 80-63, and then um, depending on where you fall on the Duke scale of things, they, they beat the Blue Devils 68-67 right here in the nation's capital. Texas Tech, their journey to the Final Four, they beat Northern Kentucky 72-57. They beat Buffalo 78-58, took down the Wolverines 63-44, and you know they, they beat up on they beat Gonzaga seventy five to sixty nine for Virginia seventy one fifty six over Gardner Webb sixty three fifty one over Oklahoma they beat Oregon fifty three forty nine 
And then a, a very exciting game against Purdue that went to overtime, 80 to 75, Virginia walked away the victors. And Auburn, they beat New Mexico State, 78-77, some late game, some late game uh, execution issues, depending on what side of it you want to look at in that one. But Auburn was able to come out victorious. They beat Kansas 89-75, ran past UNC 97-80, and they beat Kentucky 77-71. Where do you want to start with this, Cardell? Uh, we can start with Auburn Virginia since okay. they had the first game up. Um, you want to see a defensive battle? Oh, if, you want, if you're an offensive guy, don't watch this game, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but if you're a basketball person, watch this game. It's going to be a battle. It's going to be – be physical, and I'm, I'm loving what I'm seeing from Auburn. Uh, I saw them during the regular season, and they were tough. I knew about Brown and the guys, but uh, and um, I forget his name, the, um, the little point guard, um, Jerry Harper. He was he was he was killing last year, but more guys have emerged. I, um, more like more guys have emerged, where it's like you literally got to deal with eight or nine guys now instead of maybe four compared to back then. That's how they were able to beat Kentucky or whatnot. Um, Virginia, the one thing a lot of people criticize about them, their lack of offense. They only averaged 71.3 points this year. But the thing is, they hold teams to 57.8. So I'm good at math, but that seems like uh, a Yep, but at the same time, Auburn averages 80. And they love to turn you over, which translates to easy points. So I'm going to, you know, it, it's, it's going to be a fun matchup, man. Um, I'm still kind of going back and forth about who I think will win. Uh, I like what Bryce Brown has exploded, averaging 16 points on 44% shooting. Uh, you know, him and Kyle Guy going to clash. Kyle Guy averaging 15.2. He woke up just in time last game to, uh, you know what I'm saying, to, to get that W. And, you know, 44%. Then you got uh, Shuma Kiki, who I think blew out his ACL, unfortunately. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They're going to mess him big time. If they had him, I would have them went Auburn when it hands down. Because, um, you know, but the fact that, you know, he blew his ACL gives um, gives Virginia a chance, especially with their, you know, big – I know uh, Diakite for Virginia been hooping. You know what I'm saying? been hooping yeah. all tournaments, stepping up. You know, but I don't know if they had the depth inside to deal, deal with the other big boys down there. You know, so – and then obviously it comes back to point guard play, Jared Harper. I think Jared Harper has the edge on, you know, the UVA freshman kid. I, I, I forget his name, but um, I'm going to find it in a second. But I think he has the edge on him, experience, you know, the physicality, speed, the way he can score, distribute the ball, and he don't really turn it over. He only averaging two turnovers a game. You know, it, it's going to be a tall loader for Virginia. Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy, and not just him, DeAndre Hunter, they're going to have to shoot the ball better on top of what the Akite is giving them. Because I think what they're going to do – it's kind of guard those four, keep the KTA off the boards, and they're the freshman point guard to shoot. And if he miss, all night. All night. Um, the three ball, I think, is going to be a big one in this one um, with two really good defensive teams. Obviously, there's not going to be a lot of uh, – not going to get a whole bunch of open looks right. in the half court, which makes the open looks that you do get that much more important. Um, what I do like is – both teams have several players that have shot at least 38% from beyond the arc this season. We know, we know about you know UVA's top two guys, their marksmen. Auburn has several guys been able to knock down the three as well. Um, you know you mentioned it in the women's portions of this. Whoever gets most stops is going to dictate this one. 
Um, you know, obviously two different styles, defense is what they have in common. Mm -hmm. For Virginia, they get to stop, they turn you over. Um, you know, then, then you got to play at their pace. They get to dictate the terms. Same thing goes for Auburn. They get to stop. Man, you got to beat them back to the other end. Um, and that's going to be the fun part here. Uh, since Chumo Kiki went down, and I'm with you, if, if he was healthy, looking at this matchup totally different, because that's, man, Auburn's a handful to deal with with him in that lineup. Right. Uh, because of their depth, that gives you, you know, that, that, that second wave of guys now, you know, uh, it's effective that second wave when you lose somebody on that first wave, especially of that magnitude. Absolutely. Um, so that means Daniel Purifort, uh, he had, he saw his minutes increase since the Okiki injury. Um, gonna be looking, you know, your team's gonna need you to step up, not only just for playing more minutes, but to match some of that production that's lost. Um, they're gonna need you in this one. Uh, for UVA, in a game, you know, they, they have some good sized players, but it feels like Auburn, some of their bigs, a little bit more mass to them, a little bit more uh, grown, so to speak. Jack Salt's the UVA guy with the most size. Uh, at times, you know, it's not like they go real deep on their bench either. Um, well, they, it's not like they go as deep as Auburn goes. Uh, he's going to have to make an impact at some point in this game because just the Auburn big is a little bit different where they can go get it and then they can go. Uh, go ahead. Key, key, Key Clark is an, um, the freshman front guard. Front. That's the guy that got knocked down shots to keep him honest. Because Jared Harbour going to keep, I know he gets strapped. Yeah. Key Clark is strapped with the best one, but Jared yeah. Harbour going to put so much pressure on him. Mm -hmm. It's going to be difficult. But like Auburn, like you said, they're not going to have a, Virginia not going to have the advantage inside. You got the big boy, Austin Wiley, 6'11, 260 down there. You know, lead to today. Um, outside of Kiki, he's up there rebounding, you know, tied for second on rebounds, give you seven points. But he's a space eater. And yeah. you know what I'm saying? He's right there to block shots. So Salt and those guys won't have an advantage. He leads the team in blocks. And then, um, you, you know, you also got to look at the other guard, Sam Dowdy, who's been emerging, man. The way he, he, he's one of the smartest defenders I've seen, man. The way he can come, it looks like he has his back completely turned to the play. And you think he's not an option, he's not even really paying attention. Right. You might dribble to the side, set up a play, and then before you realize that he's on you trapping. And that's how they mess you up, and then you panic, and you either going to get stripped or you're going to throw a bad pass. That's what Auburn does. And once they get running, it's, it's just dang near, you know, impossible to stop them. So, I don't know, man. That's but tough for that freshman point guard. That's a tough Yeah, it's going to be tough. So, um, Tony Bennett got some things to work on. Also, look out for Braxton, Braxton Key from UVA. He's capable. Um, he was a transfer from Alabama. Uh, I heard on the national telecast that he was, you know, related to Ralph Sampson, you know, but um, he, he's capable, man. He can, he can be a guy that be the X factor if he get going, get you 15, 16, 15, between 15 and 20 points, five to 10 rebounds, and blow the game wide open. He hasn't had the tournament, you know, that he's capable of having, but this, it, you know, this could be the game where he kind of wakes up, so. You know, keep an eye on that. But really, he got clock on happening. He's going to knock down some shots. Either going to do it or you're not. It's the biggest yeah. stage, right? It's all you can ask for. Absolutely. Um, Michigan State, Texas Tech. Man, uh, that boy Cash is Winston. Yeah. <laughs> I love him since the circuit, man. man. <laughs> he, hey, man, that family EYBL team and the top Detroit Hoover. They've been good in Michigan State. You know, Draymond, Miles Bridges, they've been very good. So, uh, hey, man, it's tough for me to go against this, though. Yeah. You know, just 
you know, just being straight up. Texas Tech first time Izzo being there. And um, the way they had to fight and knock off Duke, uh, you know, Ward and all those guys inside, man. You know, they got guys that know their role, they're tough, they can knock goings, the way he can shoot, you know, his role and everything. And then, man, with Cassius, man, the way he control the pace and control the game is just, you know, I know Texas Tech, defensively, they're a problem. Don't get me wrong, but it's just hard for me to see them speeding those guys up. I mean, even with Duke, got them on the ropes, they couldn't knock them out. You know, and that's 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 the calling card for Michigan State programs is, is those men. They, they're just tough all around. So, you know, it is what it is, man. I, I don't know. I mean, what's your take on it? I'm kind of right with you. Um, you know, it's the Izzo team throwing through right here. Uh, and, you know, we talk about the importance of guard play in the tournament oh so much. You arguably got the best point guard in the country right here, right? Mm-hmm. Leading this group. I thought he turned in a masterful performance against Duke in terms of you never felt like Michigan State didn't control that game. Um, even when Duke had its runs, Cat, you know, Cash has inserted himself real quick to quell a run, make an important play, slow things down. Um, and that's the thing. I know Texas Tech's going to want to turn them over so they can get out, get out and do what they want to do. But right. if you can't turn them over, that's the part of it that's hard. That's, that's where I'm with you on this. I don't see you being able to turn that thing over to get out and do what you need to do against Michigan State. I don't think Cash is going to let that happen. Uh, in terms of, I don't think he's going to be able to take his, uh, his fingers off the control. I mean, don't get the Swiss. They got the dog. They got yeah. NBA lottery pick, uh, Jared Culver. Yes. Leads the team and scoring 18.9. Rebound 6.4 and assist 3.8. You know, he, he's a lottery pick. A lot of people don't know about him, but they should. Um, he's going to be a top five pick and whatnot. But, you know, when you get past him, y'all know Moretti and Mooney are capable. But then after those three, it drops off. And you can't have any drop off. I know Tariq Owens, he's been playing well. He had a key block that helped him advance. Um, but. He got to deal with some big bodies now that you got to deal with Ward and all those guys and Goins and it, man. I mean, it's just, I know. It's I, a tall order they have. You know, they do. It's, done, it's a tall task. It's, the biggest thing with Michigan State, their depth. I mean, that, that's a big factor. We saw that against Duke. Um, Duke, had, Duke put so much stress on you uh, on the defense, especially uh, from, from how they can attack the paint. Uh, your depth down there with your bigs, it, it was impressive that they were able to hold on the way they were. You know, that the, obviously we know Zion did what Zion did, but for the most part, they kept Duke as a team from going right. crazy in the paint. That's what and, people don't, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. That's what people don't understand. As a defender, if you're lethal, okay, it's, I know it's going to be difficult to just yeah. flat out stop you. What I'm trying to do is make you mostly fit, least efficient as mm-hmm. possible. So, yeah, you get 25 or 30, but if it took you 25, 30 shots to get it, I did my job because yes. all those shots could have went to other players, and it helps take shots away from them, which helps put us in a position to win. So now you jacking, you going forward. All right, cool. Those are misses that we can run on. We got extra possessions if we rebound the ball, and we can make you pay for that. That's what you're kind of looking at, man. So, you know, Josh Langford, you know, I know he went down. Xavier Tillman, man, McQuaid. Aaron Henry, the guy, everybody's freshman. like, why did you yell at him? And now he, he hooping, making good plays as a freshman. 
I, yeah, you know, I don't know, but I, I think it also, like I keep saying, it goes for me. It just goes back to the coaching. Yeah. And Izzo been there, done that. I mean, even last game against Duke, you saw the sparring match between him and Coach K going back before. Where, with I mean, timeouts, out of timeout plays, dead ball plays. Um, uh, you know, what I'm saying like referee checking, they huddling, making adjustments on the fly. And, oh man, you know. Stuff like that, you can't. I don't know. I don't know. Texas Tech ready for that, man. Just keeping it a buck. You know they might be, but it's a tall order, man. And, hey, man. You know, call it like I see it. Hey, look, man. I'm right with you. Like we know from Michigan State with them, we at least most of us that been around for a while understand how how his own teams work. Right. Don't care what it looked like at the beginning of the year. Kind of see where they are in the middle of the year. As we progress to, you know, conference play and the end, well, towards the end of conference play, by then we kind of know who, what that team is. And this group, I like this group because it just feels like nothing phases them. They shouldn't. I mean, they, they survive in practice as well. So, I mean, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and you also got to look at it like this. Chris Beard is the coach for Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. He's been there since 2016, so 16, 17, 17. This is third year there at a, you know, High major conference school. Mm-hmm. He ain't been there before. That's different. He's different, so he got to take it down to master. You know what I'm saying? And I just don't see any advantages outside Culver, mm-hmm. you know, who's an NBA prospect. What advantages do they have compared and, to Michigan State? And, and that's the part that <laughs> that's the part where I don't I don't I don't want to say it to like just automatically rule Texas Tech out. Yeah. But that's what I think we're both in agreement that that's why it's such a tall order. For them to go and get this done is, if we if we could do the thing where there was like a checkbox here for each team, mm-hmm. we're checking off way more on Michigan State side than than Texas Tech side. And the other thing, after you have a game where you got the type of talent or, or the type of talent or the issues that you know do cause you to a degree with some of their personnel. Right. For Culver, my biggest thing is. Izzo gets the chance to game plan and take you out of this thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm anxious to see how that goes because the supporting cast, everybody else, better be ready to play. And that's the thing because you saw a lot of people step up and that went overdue. Yeah. You know, Zion was the monster. They still made him work, you know what I'm saying? But he's just a monster. RJ Barrett. Like his paint, RJ Barrett's paint points. And they couldn't hit free throws. And then on top of that, they took Cam Reddish. I know it's his first game back from um, injury, but they took him completely out of the game. So, hey, man, I, I just can't see it. I mean, I'm, you know, trying to be real, but give him a chance. I just, I just no advantage for them, you know, outside Colvin, unless he just go on some job and rant type. Hey, look, it, it's gonna, it, it would have to be one of those type of performances to get this job done. And I don't think there's anything wrong with just saying that. So, yeah. Um, in terms of predictions, uh, Virginia and Auburn, I'm going to stick with Auburn. Um, I know the loss of Okiki is huge for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know it's two very good defensive teams. I'm going to go with guard play just a little bit with Harper. You brought it up. Yep. Um, I think it's going to be a little bit more difficult. Not even difficult. It's the fact that his matchup, yeah, it's, it's a freshman, man. That's what I'm saying. On the stage, it's a freshman. That's what and, I'm saying. You know, defensively, I'm anxious to see how Jerome and Guy do with trying to free themselves from Auburn's defense. Um, 
I don't think they're going to be able to comfortably put that ball on the floor. Um, probably get a little bit in their last game against Purdue. I think that's going to be far more challenging to do in this in this matchup. I'm with you. I got Auburn beating Virginia um, with the edge. And then uh, I got Michigan State beating Texas Tech. National championship. Uh, roll with Izzo. Keep it big time. Hey, man. Uh, best point guard in the country. Um, going with guard play. Uh, it's, it's, it's a bunch of defensive teams, right? Mm -hmm. And you got a team that clearly has the edge at the one. It's tough, man. Exactly. And we hear all the time about this time of year. What's it about? Guard play. Guard play. Guard play. Hey, man. Cashes is a problem. Absolutely. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'm going with a, a guy who's been there and done that before. Because uh, for any of the other three teams, taking them down is a very, very tall task. I mean, Bruce Pearl got the experience. You know, Auburn. Auburn, that's why I got them in the national championship. But I, I love Auburn more against Michigan State with Okiki. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's that's my biggest thing, but with him not being there, it's, it's, it's a tall task either way. Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> so. We want to thank you guys for tuning in to our Final Four special. As always, man, we appreciate you guys' continued support. See you guys next week, same time right here on the Focus TV.